like to also welcome those who are worshiping with us through LiveGate Outreach TV, watching the YouTube version of the message, and uh, also listening on audio by iTunes or Buzzsprout. May God continue to bless you where you are in the name of Jesus. We have uh, started a series on celebrating purposeful gifts and callings since last Sunday. Celebrating purposeful gifts and callings. God laid these words on my heart very late last year that we should embark on this mission to remind ourselves that the gifts and callings of God, although they are without repentance, they are bestowed on mankind for the purposes of God establishing his kingdom here on earth. And many times we take for granted. We talk a lot in the body of Christ about the spiritual gifts, which is very important. We talk about the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues, the gifts of healings, the gift of faith, and so on and so forth. And we preach and teach these things, but we make little emphasis on certain other gifts that are also from God. The ability to be a doctor, to be a lawyer, to be a teacher, to be a carer, to be a nurse, to be an astronaut, a pilot. They don't jump on people. Not everyone can do those things. Not everyone. Not everyone can play football. No, not everyone can sing. Not everyone can play or do uh, uh, perform, uh, performing arts in, in movies. Not everyone. They are gifts and callings that God has released to mankind for one sole purpose, establishing the kingdom. But of course we know that like anything good that God has created, the devil has found ways of perverting things. And the worldly people have taken more advantage of these other vocational gifts that we hardly talk about in the body of Christ, much more. So we, as the believer generation that we are, must continue to stir up the gifts even within the body. So that we can understand that we are not just sent to this world to manifest the gift of prophecy. Of course, it's part of what we do. But if you can have the gift of prophecy and you can be a teacher at the same time, then you have those two gifts that is meant to help you to be the rounded minister of reconciliation that God wants you to be in your mission field. And so we started this series last week and we were talking and uh, that is our banner. As I said, we'll be using it throughout these nine weeks. We've done week one. Uh, last week we looked at politicians, clergymen, politicians and administrators. And today we're looking at a very, very, very critical group of people who are the health and social care and medical professionals. Many of us in this room have in one way or the other or have affiliations to people who practice in this uh, realm of discipline. Now I want us to understand that on the face of it, these jobs or these professions look like money-making avenues on the face of it. You go, you do it, you earn an income, and that's fine. But I want us to start to see the importance of each job and each role as a ministry in itself. And why those of us who are not in certain ministries should pray for those who are in those other ministries, especially who are Christians, to know how they can manifest their light in their sphere of their influence. And so we have a, a couple of verses of scripture. This will be our banner, as I said, every one profession there will be talking about them over the course of the weeks. But... I want us today to just concentrate on these wonderful gifts to mankind in the people who practice as health and social care workers and also as medical professionals, doctors, surgeons, and all the allied professions, pharmacists, and so on, who work in this very critical sector of our society. Second Peter chapter 1 from verse 10 and verse 11 remain our anchor scriptures throughout this series. Let's read them together very loud and clear. Verse 10, let's go. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent 
to make your call an election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Now, I want you to do this. Go back to verse 10, please. I want you to do this. You're going to use one eye to look at the screen and look the other eye at your neighbor. Is it possible? Yes, it is possible. <laughs> you are going to be reading the screen and telling your neighbor at the same time. Instead of saying, therefore, brethren, if your neighbor is a sister, you say, therefore, sister. If he's a brother, say, therefore, brother. And then you say it. I'm going to be saying my own by looking at you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's say it together now. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is a charge. Make your calling sure. I must make my calling sure. Part of my calling that I'm making sure is what I'm doing right now. But tomorrow, I will be in another area of my calling, in another sphere altogether, making that calling also sure. Praise the Lord. And so will many of you. So we must understand that it is your responsibility, my responsibility to make our calling sure. Let's go to verse 11 and let's read that together. Verse 11, 1, 2, go everybody. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This simply means that when we make the calling an election sure and we engage as God wants us to engage, don't forget, the principle of scripture is for us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every other thing added unto us. We are not saying by any means that those vocational gifts take the place of kingdom service, which involves us coming to church, doing the things of God. That's not what we're saying. But with time and properly apportioned and those things engaged in the wisdom of God, we will take the kingdom of God seeking it first, embrace the wisdom that is in the kingdom of God, and then manifest in those vocational areas of calling. Every time we use our vocational and spiritual gifts, we demonstrate our value for kingdom citizenship. Many times you have heard in this place that we are citizens of God's kingdom. And if we are true citizens, we use these gifts that have been given to us to manifest. God's gift, therefore, of health, social care, and uh, medical professionals to mankind is to underpin his desire for man's healing and man's total health we know from third john chapter two we don't need to turn to it the bible says for uh, i know the bible says that i wish above all things that you may what prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers this is god's will it wasn't just a letter that was written or an epistle that was written by john it was God speaking through the lips of John, a very profound desire in the heart of God for mankind. I wish above all things, I wish above all things, dearly beloved, that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So God in his own way gives us these wonderful people who apart from what we as believers are to minister in deliverance and in ministering health and healing to people, these wonderful gifted people are also able to complement that effort and carry out this agenda of God in the healing of mankind. Healing is God's precious gift to us. Healing occurs at God's discretion and power. 
We saw these examples, many of them in scripture. So healthcare is a universal gift and it's a right of everyone whom God has created. In his lavish grace, God gives healings to anyone who asks for it, anyone who seeks for it, as many that believe, as many that trust. There are supernatural dimensions to healing and there are natural dimensions to healing. Everything has to do with submitting to whatever God has made available. This is why God made medicines available. I know many believers across the world have talked against medicine and the use of medicine. And I know that, yes, we can have a balance where we lose faith in the things of God and put our total trust and faith in medicines. That's not what we talk about. But we must understand that the devil can never give man the wisdom to make medicine. Impossible. It goes against what he stands for. His mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So the wisdom that God put in mankind to have these pharmacists that keep doing this research and keep submitting themselves to some kind of research, scientific facts that allow them to gather data over time and keep working hard to produce medicines are not gifts that have come from the devil. They have come from God. Praise the Lord. So we don't discourage the use of medicine, but we always say medicine is not the cure. God remains the cure. God remains the cure. Hallelujah. There was a time there was, there was a, the, the children of God ate something that poisoned them. And uh, was it Elisha? There was a prophet that was with them. He caught a stick and threw it in water. Now, it was not the stick that healed. It had nothing to do with the stick. But the stick was a symbol of something God put his power inside. That is how I believe medicine is given to God. There are traces of diseases all over the world today in poor countries, low-income countries that keep transmutating. Malaria becomes hydra-headed in many tropical countries today. You get a medicine that attacks it today, give it two months, three months, it's no longer valid. Because the devil keeps changing things that will want to ravish mankind. And before you know it, it starts to destroy. But scientists, just in pure scientific knowledge and wisdom, who work as pharmacists and these kind of professions, work together with doctors and nurses and administer new forms of medicine that become effective over time. So I'm only trying to make us understand here that we as believers understand in the power of divine healing, we know that it is the ultimate in God. As a matter of fact, divine health is God's ultimate plan for everyone. Hallelujah. Which is a total state of sickness-free life. A state, he said, I will remove every sickness far from you. Exodus 15, 26. That's God's desire. For I am the God that heals you. But there are, God knows that there are people who are yet to be saved. And his grace has appeared to all man for salvation. So part of that grace releases the wisdom for even those people that are yet to be saved. And even those who are saved but don't have enough faith to be able to be ministered to through these means. So we must understand the balance and why God does these things. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus spoke and uh, the Bible says first, he called the disciples, I'll read from verse 1, he said, and when he had called the disciples, the 12 disciples to him, he gave them what power over unclean spirits to do what? To cast them out and to heal. Now look at that. He called the disciples, he gave them power over unclean spirits to do what? To cast them out and then to what? To heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of what? Disease. Let's go straight to verse 7. The Bible says, And as you go, preach, saying what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the first major message Jesus sent. 
Go and say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now look at the next thing, verse 8. And he said to them, Heal the what? Sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. If you look at all these things, they are things that afflict, afflict the spirit man, the soul, and the body of man. Total health. That is God's intention. And then he ends up by saying what? Freely you have received, freely you must give. That is why I believe very, very strongly that it is in the spirit of error to sell bottles of oil and handkerchiefs and things. I mean to sell them. I'm not saying to use them. We believe in the ministry of the anointing. We believe in aprons. They're all biblical. But there is no biblical justification to sell any of those things for people to be healed. No biblical justification whatsoever. And so we don't do it and we don't encourage it. But one thing we do know is that the power of God can walk through mediums as we surrender them to God. The Bible says if anyone is sick among you, let him call on the elders and let them pray, anointing his head with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. That will save the sick. That is James chapter 5, verse 16. So God can come into, put his power into olive oil that we put before him by faith and pray over it. God can come into it by his spirit and we administer it physically and sicknesses can be healed. Many times sicknesses have been healed that way. The total emancipation of man in cleansing is what God wants. Right up to the raising of the dead. Especially anyone who dies before their time. We know the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. A man who died before his time, as it were. And Jesus knew he died before his time. So he was at rest. The, uh, brother, the sisters of Lazarus were worried. Mary and Martha, they said, Oh Lord Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. He said, Your brother is not dead. Our brother is only sleeping. And the Bible says he just spoke to him. Lazarus, what? Come forth. And the Bible says, And the dead man arose. Hallelujah. So God's desire is that we as believers engage with the supernatural dimension of healing, but also understand that certain of us will manifest the vocational gifts, the physical gifts of being able to practice medicine and care of the health and the social status of mankind. Hallelujah. Verse 9 says, Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, and verse 10, verse 9 and 10, now verse 10, he said, Nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is what? Worthy of his food. Which simply means God has a plan to reward everyone who engages with this. Either as a spiritual minister or as a physical minister. This is why people who practice in these professions, like every profession contributing to the advancement of humanity under God, is rewarded accordingly. And so I want us to understand, when we see these things as ministries, we will no longer be frustrated. Some of us who practice in this sector, I, I, I don't, I've never been a nurse or a doctor or anything like that, but of course I've had a lot of friends who are doctors, I have family members who are doctors, I have family members, of course my wife is a, is a nurse, and so I know a little bit about the profession, and I know it can be very challenging, it can be very daunting. I know there are many days you feel like giving it up, because of the demands. 
I know that there are many days you feel like not just going on again because especially in a country like ours that is so demanding in terms of paperwork, in terms of standards, in terms of so many things that can easily lead to litigation and so on. So if you understand that this is a ministry, just like a pastor doesn't give up just because things are not happening the way they expected those things to happen, just like they are not seeing the things that they want to see, if a true pastor gives up in those things, then he hasn't understood his ministry. We don't give up because we face challenges. We keep applying ourselves in the place of our calling. That is why he says, do everything you can to make your calling an election sure. To make your calling an election achieve the desired result. Be like Paul, who will at the end of everything say, I have run the race. I have run the race. I have obtained the prize. I have come to the place where I can say of a truth, I have expunged everything that was put in me by the grace of God. This is what God wants you to be. The Bible makes us to understand that he even healed people with evil uh, attacks and seizures. We see these examples in Matthew chapter 4. In our day, we would liken that to mental health disorders and things that afflict the soul of man. We know that the Roman centurion, we famously call him the centurion servant, was healed. An example of that story is in Matthew chapter 8. When you go over this message again online, go through these scriptures to remind yourself and see how Jesus was passionate about healing. Various people with physical disabilities we know were healed. We can see those in Luke chapter 13. The deaf, the blind, the mute, and such were also healed. We can see those examples in Matthew chapter 9, and so on and so forth. Those are just some excerpts. Whilst every believer is empowered to heal the sick, supernaturally, God has positioned people with spiritual gifts of healings and workings of miracles. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it said, Now, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And verse 9, he said that part of those is the gift of faith and the gift of healings. And it's also said in verse 10, he also said that these are the gifts of the working of miracles. These are spiritual gifts. As I said, as a body of Christ and as a church worldwide, we talk about these a lot. And we know and believe that they operate and we manifest them as much as God gives grace. But we must understand that the unique vocational gift of these people who are in healthcare, social care, medical professions, and allied professions, many of these people, the unique gifts that they carry also complement these wonderful spiritual gifts. So two key areas that Christian healthcare providers are privileged by God includes these. First thing is that those who are privileged to operate these gifts, and if you are here, you are a nurse, you are a doctor, you are in that profession, or you are listening to me online, I want you to know that you carry a unique gift that gives you access to kings. It gives you access to people that matter. Because no matter how strong a person is in this world, no matter how powerful they are, many times they need some form of health care. Many times they need some form of care, either in their young age, falling ill, or much later in life when they grow old. It is very interesting to see men who stood tall, 30, 40, 50 years ago, who stood tall and shook the world, spoke one sentence, and the whole world shook. Many times you see them today, still alive, but in wheelchair, needing the health care 
provisions that people have to give to them physically. I saw George H. Bush the other time, the father of George W. Bush. I think he's 94 now, something like that. And I said, wow, how time flies and how truly man can become feeble. A very powerful voice in the 80s, very, very powerful. He would speak and the whole Middle East would shake. <laughs> but he's been pushed around today in a wheelchair. Thank God the whole family is a Christian family and we believe that it's just a matter of time he'll go rest in the bosom of the Lord. But this should give us the example to understand that no matter who we are, no matter how powerful we are, there's a story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 50. And uh, the Bible says Joseph at this time was already prime minister of Egypt. When his father Israel died, Jacob died, the Bible says he fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. Verse 2. Verse 2. Let's read verse 2 together. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to do what? Embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. This is the prime minister's father being embalmed by servants who were physicians. That simply means they have his ear. They have his, or he, he can, they can speak to him at any time. They can, they can advise him. There's a very, I wouldn't say interesting story because it is from a gory history. It is not from a history we like to remember, but it's interesting in the sense of what it is. In the time of the World War, you all know that since I came back from Poland, I've never let you rest about Adolf Hitler. <laughs> I had to do some research because my mind changed. I have heard a lot of things about anti-Semitism and all these things. And believe me, it was just, just like reading like history. But somehow when I went on those grounds and my feet touched those grounds, when those things happened, something jumped on me that you need to know more about this and you need to talk more about it as much as God enables. So don't mind me. But I started to look at what made a people so viciously angry and bad in their time. This talks about Adolf Hitler and all the men that were with him. Many of us mention Adolf Hitler, but there were about a dozen people who were really terrible. Some of them were even worse than him. <laughs> Some of them did things that even he would not have done. One of these guys was called Heinrich Himmler. Himmler was a very subtle guy in the times that they ruled as the Nazi uh, government. This is in the early 40s, late 30s, early 40s. And Heinrich Himmler was a very close associate. In fact, he was like the deputy to Hitler. But this guy was responsible mostly for all the operations that had to do with the Gestapos and all the concentration camps and the extermination plan of the Jews, which they uh, 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 infamously called the final solution. Now, Heinrich Himmler... I wouldn't bore you too much on that gory side of the story because you know it and you can read it up. But he was sick. This was something about the story that interested me. He was ill. For many years, he looked, Germany at that time ruled the world in the medical profession. They ruled the world. They were. Even Americans used to say that once you finish your studies, those days, you had to go to Germany to learn a postgraduate qualification as a medical doctor before they could reckon with you in becoming a surgeon. They were that top. But there was no doctor in the whole of Germany that could heal Heinrich Himmler, who was killing Jews left, right, and center, until God raised one Jewish doctor. <laughs> God, in his mysterious ways, a man who was not German, he was Finnish by origin. He came from Finland. 
but he at that time lived in the Netherlands. But everyone in Europe knew about this man called Felix, uh, Felix um, D- um, Kirsten. Sorry, Doctor Felix Kirsten. Doctor Felix Kirsten was so good in his profession that somehow God gave him healing in his fingers. He could touch ailments, not prayer or anything. He could touch ailments in people and use his fingers to therapeutically heal people. Something a bit similar to what the, the, the Chinese would call, um, what do you call that thing, that massage thing? Acupuncture. Acupuncture and the other one as well. Today. Sorry? Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, Himmler now sent for this man. And he called him. He said, look, I've looked over the whole of Germany. Nobody can, could heal me. Every time he sits down, he has a lot of cramps, a lot of things in his tummy. And people saw him as a very strong general. They didn't know he was suffering this. A lot of them were suffering different things that people did not know. But this particular man became Henrik Himmler's doctor. And in two weeks, Henrik Himmler touched... Uh, sorry, uh, Dr. Kirsten touched Henrik Himmler... And those same healing powers came through, and this man began to be well. And then Henrik Himmler said, look, anything you want me to do, just name it. The man could have asked for mansions. He could have asked for anything, because these guys were controlling virtually the wealth of, the, of Europe at that time. But God gave this doctor, who was Jewish the wisdom to start asking for lives to be freed from the concentration camps. And one by one, in his own little way, the first batch of 2,500 people were, he- were, were set free because of the healing that came through his hands to Heinrich Himmler. And it was recorded that by 1945, when the world ended, through this conscientious effort, all those who were still in the concentration camps before the uh, uh, combined forces of the, of the Russians and the Americans and the British eventually got into uh, Germany to liberate those camps were actually freed in tens of thousands by the effort of this doctor. Because of his gift, he could have access to the ears of a person that matters. And so I want you all to know today, some of you are caring for people if you are in that profession that have a lot of clout. They may not be politicians like Henrik Himmler or high-powered people, but they are significant in their families. They are significant in their clans. They are significant in their neighborhoods. If God gives you the wisdom to minister health to them and they get healed, and I know that there are many laws about profession and religion in the, in the, in the, in the workplace and all that, and laws that, that forbid preaching directly and all those kind of things. I'm aware of that. But I want you to go and trust God for the wisdom like this Jewish doctor did. The wisdom to speak to powers that be. When God does things in your life, don't say it's just like that. It's just one of those things. At that time, they have your ear. They will listen. At that time, they have your attention. They will listen. My God will give you wisdom in the name of Jesus. We must understand that this is what this is all about. Everyone who is in this profession has also the ability to walk alongside of evangelistic efforts. We read in, the, in Colossians chapter 4 about Paul's uh, commendation of Luke, who was a doctor. 
Let's read straight verse 12. Colossians 4.12, as I start to bring this to a close. Colossians 4.12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bond servant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Verse 13, For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in what? Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. And verse 14, Let's read verse 14 together, loud and clear. Verse 14. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Luke was a doctor as we know. And as we read the book of Acts last month, I was reminding you every time that this was the man who followed Paul everywhere. Very silent, but he was a doctor. His ministry was mostly to document the things that God was doing through Paul. He followed Paul everywhere Paul went. And that's why we have the book of Acts today. But he also was a physician who was practicing alongside Paul. That's why Paul specifically recognized his ministry here. His vocational gift as a physician was specifically mentioned by Paul. So this is very important for us to understand. Luke worked alongside Paul as a physician, and this was recognized all through. We must realize that early missionaries that went to Africa, to India, to other countries from this world, went along with doctors and nurses. They went along with medical professionals. And this was one of the things that gave them easy access to Islamic domains, to pagan places, and places that had all kinds of evil that would not have allowed the gospel to come. Doctors and nurses were waymakers. I was born in Kano, in the very northern, uh, a northern city in, in, in Nigeria, a very, very strong stronghold till today of the Islamic faith. And I remember growing up that we saw so many missions, so many missionary clinics, so many missionary schools, so many doctors. As a very young child, four, five-year-old, six-year-old, I still remember very faintly that most of the doctors that attended to us were missionaries. Most of the nurses that were in the hospitals, the hospital I was born, all the midwives there at that time were all British and Canadian nurses, mostly and having the African, the Nigerians training under them. And these were people who God used very significantly because of their gift to help the gospel come into these cities and these nations. We must not stop. We still have the same privilege today. And we must understand that there are ways that these gifts can continue to complement what we do. So based on every one of these things, what must we continue to do as the body of Christ? We must continue first to pray for everyone, especially Christians who are called into these wonderful professions. We must continue to pray for favors that God will use it, that our doctors will not fall into litigation and things that could easily ruin their careers and make them struck off the register, that our nurses will not fall to the constant devices of the enemy to get rid of them and to make it impossible for them to practice. We must continue to pray for bold nurses, like, I can't remember her name now, the lady that was sacked. I heard her case is now being overturned by the grace of God, that was sacked because she preached her, her, her profession, because she, her religion, and she preached her faith to a willing uh, patient who was willing to hear. We must continue to pray for such in that front line, that God will continue to keep them, and the enemy will not be able to destroy them. Hallelujah. We must continue to pray for the NHS to survive. I say we must continue to pray for the NHS to survive in the name of Jesus. And then finally as a church, 
we must continue to devise means to engage with our community, to complement the NHS and other healthcare providers in this very noble professions and callings. As a church, we have made a lot of effort to establish programs. We just need the time. The vision is clear. If you look at the banner right behind you there, Lightgate Communities, when you finish the service, you can have a look. They've been there for about four years like that. We have a vision to, through Lifegate Communities, establish mental health social care. We have a vision to uh, establish adult social care. We have a vision to establish youth social care, to look at the full spectrum of the life of man and engage with the community. Those of you that have these giftings, that practice in these professions, to work on projects that we can engage on, short-term, medium-term, long-term projects that we will take right through to the community and be a blessing to everyone who God sends us to. Jesus said, as you go, preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Hallelujah. That's the next thing he said. So we have that as a vision. And we must continue to work. We have other things like capital projects, educational youth development, youth groups. But this particular three is for us who are in this profession to engage with. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, 19 tells us the earnest expectation. Let's read together. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 20. For the creation, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Let's read verse 21 together. Verse 21. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children. Where, where?